So today we are uh, closing up a sermon series called Being Married and Raising Kids. And if you've been with us, we've tried to take just a real life, dirty dishes in the sink look at what the Bible says about family. And so I, 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 just talking about today's topic, we're talking about raising kids. I, I have to start with the story of when my oldest child was born. My daughter Kennedy was born um, in 2007. And it was supposed to be this beautiful, everything they put, a, put on TV, you know, like just, you walk in, she's born, it's great, you hold her, you cut the umbilical cord, it's great, it's supposed to be this wonderful, weepy time. And it was a terrifying time for us, because my, it was legit, legit emergency C-section for my wife. We almost, we almost lost my daughter, the umbilical cord was wrapped twice around her neck, it was not good. Um... I mean, they, they rushed my wife in because they were losing my daughter's heartbeat real fast. And I'm, I'm wanting to, like, get in the mix. I'm wanting to do something to help. And the nurses were like, you just get out of the way. We will come and get you when we need you, but it's not right now. Get out of the way. And I'm watching them, like, just rush, ru- literally running, like, from, like, like, the show ER, like, running down the hallway with holding cords as they go around the corner and they go through these double doors into the operating room. And my mother-in-law was there. It was our, it was our first child. And just not knowing what was going to happen. I mean, they, they went in not given a lot of hope here. And we sat there with my mother, I mean, my mother-in-law, we just sat there and all of a sudden we heard a baby crying. And it was like the angels of heaven singing to me. And my, my, grand, um, my mother-in-law and I, we, we started crying. We prayed right then and there. And so because it was a legit emergency C-section, I mean, they weren't, they did things quick, okay? I mean, they cut my wife open from California to Florida, if you know what I'm saying. Like, she was just, like, laid wide open. And so we, we had to stay a couple extra days there in the hospital and just because things were so traumatic. And so the first couple days, we, we got, like, we got nurses helping us with everything. <laughs> you know? And then the day comes to go home. And I remember thinking, like, they, kinda, they brought her in and like, well, have fun. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, we just, uh, we get to just take her? Like, just, we just walk out with her? You're not going to, like, background check? I don't have to, like, take a test? Like, I just, you're just letting me take this person home? I mean, for Pete's sake, when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I had to watch a 30-minute video just so I could lay there and let someone else take my teeth out. And they're just letting me take this child home. Like, what? How do you know I'm going to do a good job? How do you know, like, I, I, I can do this? And they're like, well, you'll figure it out. And you do, right? You do. And uh, thankfully, that our grand, um, my child's grandparents were around to help. And, but I think a lot of times when it comes to parenting, it's just like, especially when you've never done it before, like what do you, what, what do, you do? And the Bible speaks to this. The Bible talks about raising kids. It doesn't say everything we want to know. No. Does it give us the answer to every single question we ask about parenting? No. But it gives us principles and outlines and boundaries. And the beautiful thing within that is 
there's immense freedom within that for parents to, to parents based on their unique style, based on their child's unique personality. So I love that the Bible kind of gives us a framework, but within that is such, such freedom. And I think you're going to see that today. So if you've been with us, then you should know that we are in Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there now if you're using the Bibles we provided. That's on page 1253. We're going to look at our entire section today, but we're just going to focus on the last two verses. As you turn in there, just for context, this section that we're reading in the book of Colossians, uh, this, is, this, is, this is a section where the Apostle Paul is speaking to homes. He gives us one verse on the role of the wife. He gives us one verse on the role of the husband, and he gives us just two quick verses on raising kids. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But I think when you see the simplicity of these two verses, there's so much to be pulled out of this. In fact, um, one commentator put it like this. He said, these two little verses capture more than what most modern day writers can't say through an entire book. So again, if uh, two weeks ago we looked at the wife, last week we looked at the role of the husband, today we're going to scratch the surface on raising kids. So would you hear the word of the Lord? It'll be up on the screen. Chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. It says this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. As we close up this sermon series today, would you all read these last two verses with me? These are the verses we'll be looking at today. Let's read these together. Ready? Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Amen. Let's pray and then let's get to it. Lord in heaven, we come before you in, in, a, in a society and a culture where it's, it's hard for parents because so much is different based on when so many parents were younger. There's so much going on in the world that's different now. Lord, we need your guidance, direction. And Holy Spirit, we would just ask that you would help us, lead us as we raise our kids in such a broken world. Would you be with us now, Father, by the power of your Spirit, as we see what your word has for us this morning. Lord, we do pray these things for your glory, for our joy. And Lord, we pray these for the good of our children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So one of the beautiful things about the Bible, the, the Christian holy book, is that it actually addresses children. It speaks to children. Not as just family members, but as members of the church, as members of the faith family. In the Bible, there is no notion of children being lost sinners who need to be evangelized. They are noted as full members of the community by virtue of being part of families who are part of the covenant faith family. And this is what I'm about to say. This is for another sermon, but this is part of, the, part of why we follow the theology of baptizing children, because we see them as full members of the covenant community. And the Holy Spirit, through the words of the Bible, speaks to, addresses the children of families. Verse 20 says, children, speaking to them, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think from the simplicity of this one verse, we see three things that are important for us today, for kids to hear and for us to hear who are raising kids, or maybe we are grandparents who are helping our kids raise their kids. 
Three things I think we see from this, from this one verse. Children need acknowledgement, they need structure, and they need purpose. See, acknowledgement lets kids know that they're, they're not an afterthought. When we acknowledge them, we recognize them as full, real people, and that they mean something to us. Now, structure, if you want to write this down, structure, I would say, is the combination of responsibility and accountability. Responsibility and accountability equals structure, and that's a structure in a family that kids need to grow and to thrive, and I would also say to feel secure. They need acknowledgement, they need structure, and they need purpose. See, purpose, purpose ensures that structure doesn't become just a set of rigid rules. Purpose reminds them and us that all of this is for something greater, something greater than ourselves. And I think we see these three things in this one verse. It says, children, there's the acknowledgement. We're acknowledging them. Children, obey your parents in everything. There's the structure. Obey your parents. There's the responsibility and accountability. Obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. And that's the purpose that we'll get to in a moment. So let's talk about each of these briefly. Children, there's the acknowledgement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some song lyrics. I want to see if you know what song this is. And I'll give you a little clue here. It would be helpful if you were around in the 1980s. Let's just see real quick. Who was not here in the 1980s? Would you raise your hand? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm less and less hope that we're going to know this song. All right. Okay. I, I, let me read these lyrics. Let's see if you know what, what, what song this is from. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go wherever. Okay, so we got some old fogies in here still. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. Now, okay, so for those of you who are like less than 30 years old, okay, um, this is the theme song from a TV show called Cheers. Now, okay, so I'll just go ahead and I'll be the first one to say it. It's probably not super appropriate to talk about raising kids in the context of like a show about a bar, because Cheers was in a bar setting. But, but that was the theme song. And I'm sorry if that song gets stuck in your head. It's been stuck in my head all week. But I remember as a little guy, uh, I, was, I was young, very young, in, in the 80s, and I remember sneaking to watch that show just to listen to the theme song. Because I loved that theme song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. Right? Isn't that the desire of our hearts? Isn't that the desire of all of our hearts? I mean, and children in particular? The place where everyone knows your name and where they're always glad you came? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, that should be the church, right? But let's, let's just get dirty dishes on us here. That should be home. Right? That should be at home where your kids get acknowledged, where their name is said, and that they, felt, they feel like they are wanted, that, they want, that whoever's there wants them to be there. See, calling your kid by their name and telling them that you're glad to see them, that, that touches a part of our hearts, a part of your child's heart that's critical for them as they grow. And I'm thankful that uh, 
where my kids are at, I'm at the stage in my life that, do you know what I get when I come home? When, when I get home after a long day at church and I open up the door, I open that door to the sound of kids squealing and screaming and just, I hear the footprints just running to me. Daddy, dad's home, dad's home. I mean, that's my three younger kids. My teenager just sits on the couch. But the, the, the other ones, I'm really, they, they, they make me feel like I, they're glad to see me. Right? Like going home is like one of the best parts of my day. Like that opening that door and having them run and scream and come up and give me a hug. That, sometimes you just want to go where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. I love that reception. And you know what? Kids love that reception too. Kids need to have that reception when they get home. They need, whether they're getting off the bus or coming home from practice, they need a big reception when they get home. They, they need to know that home is a place where you know, we know your name and we're glad that you came. We're glad you're here. Let them know that the home is the best place for them to be. So that wherever they go in life, they know they can always come home where their name will be used and people will be glad that they're home. They're glad that they're there. The Bible says children. It acknowledges them. The book of Colossians is a letter written to a church. So this would have been read to a church 2,000 years ago. And in the middle of this letter, children are acknowledged. Children are addressed. The Bible says children, children, obey your parents in everything. This is structure. You know, by today's cultural standards and norms, this idea of like obey your parents and everything. I know to our cultural American minds, like this may sound like stoic or maybe even domineering. Domineering and stoic to say children obey your parents and everything. So how do I say this academically? Mm, It ain't. (laughs) It ain't stoic or domineering to, to tell children you need to obey your parents and everything. Right? Obey Your parents, meaning the parents are the ones who are in control. Parents are the ones who are the authority. They're not the friend. They are the parents. But we see it, and I know you see it. Maybe you're even guilty of this. We see it all over in today's society. The home is a place where the kids are clearly in charge. I mean, you think a third, almost a third of second graders have their own smartphone because the parents really want them to have it? Well, maybe. They want a phone, so they get it. They want social media, so they get it. Kids don't want to go to church, so they get to stay home. Right? It's like that old story that it's kind of like an urban legend now, but it's that story of that man who came from Asia. This man comes from Asia, comes to the United States, lives in America for three months. At the end of the three months, they ask him, so what would you think of America? What would you think of American culture? And he says, you know... In America, I am surprised at how well parents obey their children. (laughs) Kids who are in control of their parents are out of control. That is a home that is out of order. That's a home that's out of control. Kids need boundaries. They need guardrails, just like adults do when we're driving. It gives us direction. It gives us focus. It provides safety, which results in security. Now, obviously, there's a balance. There's a balance here, and we're, we're going to get to that in a second. But even wild flowers need fertile soil to grow. Just as all kids, no matter their personality type, 
They need structure, which gives the stability, which gives the stability needed for healthy growth. So children, there's the acknowledgement. Obey your parents in everything. There's the structure. Again, structure is accountability plus responsibility. Obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. With a world of selfies in social media, we are within, without a doubt, we are within the most self-centered self-generation the world has ever known. And we have kids doing things not because it's right to do these things. We have kids doing things to get likes on social media. I mean, parents, if your kids have social media, you best be on social media. You can see what is on there. It is unbelievable what kids will do on social media to get views and to get likes. Horrendous things. Like immoral, mean things just to get likes. We have kids doing things not because it's right, but to get likes. And we are a generation that can't distinguish what is right versus what gets praised on social media. We think they are one and the same. Kids, why do we obey our parents? Because it's the right thing to do. And how do we know what's the right thing to do? Because it pleases the Lord. The Lord is only pleased by that which is right. When you obey your parents, kids, God looks at that and he smiles. See, this verse here, it tells us something so critical, something all of us need to learn at the earliest age. And if you're raising a kid, you need to instill this in them in the earliest age, that the grand purpose of our life is not to get liked. The grand purpose of our life is not even to be a good person. The grand purpose of our lives is to bring God glory. And we see this in this passage. This is the great purpose. Why do we obey our parents? Because they own us? No, because it pleases the Lord. From the earliest age, we need to tell kids, life is not just about you. We are living something grander and better. From the earliest age, we, we put on our kids spiritual lenses. So they don't just see a cultural or a material world. They can see a spiritual world around them to know that they are part of something grander and bigger. Your life is working towards bringing God, the creator of all the heavens and earth, to bring him glory. We obey our parents because this pleases the Lord. That we are not a part of something that is momentary, like social media. They were part of something eternal, a spiritual reality. From the earliest days, we need to train them to see beyond the material realm and into the spiritual realm. And while the church has an obligation to instill this in kids, this is first the responsibility of the parents. Verse 21 of chapter 3 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. See, parents need boundaries and vision. Boundaries and vision. True boundaries provide direction, safety. It maintains health and flourishing. And within these biblical and parental boundaries, there is freedom for different parenting styles. And I think one of the ways this is an important conversation for us here now is the difference in choices on how parents choose to educate their children. Whether that's homeschool or Christian school or private school or public school. Here at Peace Church, we support parents' right to seek the Lord and decide what's best for them and for their family. We're not going to fight over this. We're not going to say one's better than the other. We know that each parent, and we respect each parent to have specific reasons, trusting that they've gone to the Lord in prayer, specific reasons for their family on the education choices that they have made for their family. We believe that God just provides immense freedom in here. 
when we look at this verse, I think we see something cut into the right to the heart of the matter. It's the very first word up here. Would you say this with me? Fathers. Fathers. You are absolutely critical in the development and the discipling of your kids. Now listen here. The Bible is not saying that parenting is left, al- is, is left for fathers to do alone. We're not saying that at all. But fathers in particular need to hear this. Do not provoke your children. The word here, provoke, means to stir up, arouse to anger, or to irritate. Back in my youth pastor days, when I was a youth pastor, I led high school ministry, and I had this small group of high school boys that I, would, I invested in over the years. And uh, one, of, one of the boys that I, that I poured into was a wrestler. I wasn't a wrestler. I don't know much about wrestling. Uh, but I'd, I'd go to his matches every now and again and watch him wrestle. And it was like one of the very first times I went to go see him wrestle. I was up in the stands. His parents were like at by 10 o'clock. Okay, there were a few rows in front of me. And it, like, I don't know anything about wrestling, okay? But it was clear this kid was not having a good day. He was clearly having an off day for wrestling. And his parents were having none of it. And they were yelling at this kid. And they were yelling over each other, yelling at this kid. Their own kid. And I, mean, I remember at one point they're yelling and they're yelling over each other. And the wife gets annoyed and she like hits her husband. She's like, stop yelling over me. And then she says, let's say it together. Now, I don't know what this term is. Again, I don't know wrestling. I think I'm saying it right. But she said, let's say it together. And she goes, one, two, three. And they both yelled, cross arm, cross arm, cross arm. I don't know what that means. But they yelled it. <laughs> and like everyone, everyone in the stands like, goodness gracious, take a chill pill. You know, like. And this kid lost the match, okay? And he stood up. I'll never forget this. This kid stood up, and he looked into the stand, looked at his parents, and he had the face of utter defeat on him. And I'm here to tell you, it wasn't because he lost the wrestling match. It's because his parents violated, went against Colossians 3.21, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. They discouraged their son. They embarrassed him. They irritated him. Now, that, that is an extreme example, but we know that there's levels of that. We have to be cautious that we don't fall into that same trap. One of the best books I've read on raising young boys is this book here. It's called Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys. If you're raising, if you're a boy mom or you, if you've got young boys or if you've you got a young grand, uh, grandson on the way, this is a great book to pick up and read. I want to I wanna read you part of what it says, because I think this is really good. I'll, I'll put up um, parts of the quote up here. But it says, Nurturing boys requires that our discipline be geared toward lovingly unveiling their strength and courage, according to how these characteristics are uniquely present. Whenever we disciple boys, we must do so in a way that addresses them as the unique, noble creatures that they truly are, in ways that honor them and their masculinity. By discipling our boys in ways that do not shame them, we honor their desire for strength, we reinforce their sensitivity, and we encourage them towards valor. Listen, guys, no one, no one is saying here, be soft. We're saying that raise your boys to be godly men. Honor them. 
Like when they lash out, there's, there's a root there that I think is, it, yes, there's, there's an evil root because we're all sinful in our hearts, but there's a manifestation of their masculinity that's just gone awry. Don't squash that, redirect that. Whether we're trying to correct them while they're on the wrestling mat or how they're behaving at school or how they're even engaging in their faith and their spiritual truths. Parents, we can't be provoking or irritating or angering our kids. They shouldn't walk away feeling discouraged now listen to me, they, ma- they may walk away disciplined, and that don't always feel good, but there's a way to discipline that doesn't result in discouraging them. Parents need boundaries that provide freedom for unique parenting styles while also providing good, necessary restraint. We do not beat up our kids, and we do not put down our kids. Keep within those boundaries as we seek to teach them about Jesus So let me repeat something I said earlier. The grand purpose of life is not to be liked. It's not to be a good person. It's to glorify God. That's what we want to see in our kids as we raise them, that they they embrace a purpose in life to bring God glory. That is our purpose in parenting, to instill that in them. Our primary goal, our grand vision of parenting is not financial, it's faith. So how do we do our part to instill the Christian faith in our kids? I want to share with you another book that I, th- I, th- I thought was very, very profound. Uh, this book called F- uh, Families and Faith, How Religion is Passed Down Across the Generations. This book was four generations in the making. This book spans four generations of research and study about different parenting styles and different religions trying to pass on their religion through the generations. And in this, they said this, parental warmth is the key to successful transmission of faith. Now, they outlined four different types of parenting styles that seek to, seek to have a faith transmission through the generations. I want to outline them for you real quickly. They talked about the affirming parents. This is the warm, affectionate, and supportive parents. They talked about the authoritarian parents, where, where, where religion is the rule, where there's demands that need to be met. They talked about the ambivalent parents. This was the dispassionate parent who sent mixed messages on faith in church involvement. Like, sometimes they went to church, sometimes they didn't. Um, maybe some, like, they, they went to church, but we didn't really pray at home. And kids are like, we go to church, but what, what's, what's the point? And the kids never understood why they went to church when they, when they did. And there's also the afflicted parent. This is a parent that's distracted by the concerns of life and the world, that everything's doom and gloom, that maybe they're addicted to, um, they're addicted to something. Now, Obviously, you can probably guess which one was the most successful in seeing faith passed down through the generations, but I think it's, it, it's, it bears asking, which one do you fall into? I want to read to you uh, a very profound section um, in this book. And by the way, just real quickly, this speaks well into the role of the grandparents. And because pa- people are living so much longer nowadays, we're actually having enough time to do meaningful studies on great-grandparents. And it talks about that too. So whether you're a parent, grandparent, or maybe you're even a great-grandparent, this is a great, great book. But I want to read you something that says about these parenting styles. It says, The warm, affirming relationship pattern was most likely to result in the successful transmission of religion. Children responded best to parents who were unconditionally supportive, who provided consistent role modeling of religious practices, and who did not force their beliefs or practices on their children. The study saw that a consistently close relationship with parents created continuity in the evangelical faith across four generations. 
In addition, we found that the most successful parents in religious transmission showed love, respect, and patience for those children who took a different path in religion. These often turned out to be prodigals and returned to the faith. There's, the next sentence is, it bears reading. It says, by contrast, the other three parenting styles appeared to decrease the likelihood of religious transmission and increase the likelihood of rebellion. It took four generations of academic study across multiple, multiple families to show us what the Bible said in four simple verses, technically two simple verses, 2,000 years ago. That we are to create an atmosphere where kids can flourish, where we don't provoke them, where we don't discourage them. That we are to create a fun-loving and faith-focused home where as a family we are committed to following the teachings of the Bible. As a family and personally, as we seek to glorify God in your lives. And and grandparents and great-grandparents, I don't have time today, but your role is critical. The grandparenting stage is not a time to disengage, but a, a time to engage. So again, we see in this study four generations to show us what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So as we look at, as we close up this sermon series, let's look at our passage one more time. Let's look at this section. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. As we kind of bring this around, I want to remind you, children need acknowledgement, structure, and purpose. Again, structure is responsibility and accountability together. Children need acknowledgement, structure, and purpose. Parents need boundaries and vision. But as we looked at our section today, the section about Christian household, like Paul speaks to the husbands and to the wives and to parents, and he talks about language he's using. It's fitting to the Lord, and this pleases the Lord. So if I could just kind of bring all this full circle, I'd just say this to, to Christian homes. Homes need to be places of faith and family. Faith and family. This scripture that we are reading today is in a section of a larger section um, about the Christian life. And we see this language of family and what's pleasing to the Lord. Because this is what should be the prevailing themes of our home. Faith and family. Not sports. Not success, not college prep, not rules, not politics, but faith and family. So as we close up today, uh, normally we close up with doing uh, worship here as a church family. But we're going to close up a little bit differently today. I'm going to invite up Pastor Travis. He's our uh, pastor of Generational Discipleship. He leads our family ministries here. And I want to have a conversation with him about parenting in our world today. You guys welcome Pastor Travis. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Whoa. Hello. Wow, so uh, as we, as we kind of bring this full circle and we're talking about parents today, uh, I just got a couple questions to, uh, to ask you. What, what is, because I said, it, I said it earlier, like this, this is written to a church in the context of a church, but specifically it's written, addresses families. Yeah. So I think it, it, it kind of begs the question, what is the relationship between the church and parents in terms of discipling children? That's a great question. Um, Let me start by saying this. We live in an outsourcing culture. And so what I mean by that is, as parents, we love our children. We want to develop them. We want to see them be successful in all spheres of life. 
And so we outsource uh, their education to get them the best school. Uh, we, we research that. We outsource uh, their athletics, find them the best, best team, coaches, piano teachers, things like that. And, and we can be really successful in helping them develop and achieve um, some great things in terms of academics, athletics, and, and talents. But one thing that we can outsource is the spiritual formation of our children because the spiritual formation of our children is a 24-7 thing. And so one of the things I think we've lost uh, and are beginning to reclaim in the church is that 20, 30 years ago we realized that there was a statistic out there that 70% of kids that grew up in the church were leaving the faith because we assumed that, that we as a church were the parents were taking that role seriously and they were uh, um, being the primary spiritual disciples. But we found as a church that we were not doing a good job at resourcing and championing parents in that role. And so there's been kind of a reclaiming of that. Now you and I have been a part of that as family pastors yeah. is that we've wanting to help parents realize that it's, they're the primary spiritual disciple makers in child's home. Deuteronomy 6 calls parents to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to have that commandments on their heart and to impress them in their children's life as they walk, as they sit, as they rise. And so the, the, the relationship of the church and the home is, is like this. Parents are primary, but the church comes along to partner and support that work. And so I picture it like a bike. You think a bike, there's two pedals, and, and you've got to have both, both pedals working in unison. And when that happens, you can go really far. And so I think when that happens in the, in, when the parents in the home, partner together, that's when God can really um, do a great work in discipling kids to, to know the Lord. And uh, so I think that's, that's a little bit about the relationship. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love how you talked about us working together because I think sometimes parents feel like they're alone or they feel like it's the church alone that's supposed to do that. And we're saying, no, we're, we're, we're coming alongside you in your primary call. Thanks. So aside from the Bible, what is the best book on parenting that you think every peace parent needs to read? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So best book on parenting. So there's, I think I read somewhere uh, in the last 10 years, there's been 100,000 books written on parenting. So there's a lot to choose from right there, 100,000. But the vast, vast majority of books on parenting, I think, are really focused on behavior modification. And, and that, there can be a role for that, but behavior modification is how do you get your kids to obey you and to, to do the right things and change their behavior. But for the Christian parent, we have a different goal and different focus, is that we know that it's the heart of our children is what God wants most. Mm. Our children mm. are sinners. Mm. They're in need of a Savior, and that happens at the heart level. And so I think um, there's been kind of, again, a reclaiming of understanding how the gospel needs to inform our parenting. So I've got three books that, that are really focused on that kind of thing. And you said one. I'm sorry, I got three. No. But I've got kind of a 101, a 201, and a 301 level book. So starting with the 101 level, there's this book called Gospel Power Parenting. Uh, it's a real accessible book. It's written by a guy named William Farley who's actually going to be coming and speaking in the marriage retreat in, uh, next, in a couple months. And so this is a real accessible book of how the gospel shapes and transforms our parenting. Um, love this book. Uh, there's another book by uh, Paul David Tripp called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. This probably is the one book, if I had to pick one, that I recommend. But uh, this is an incredible book. And um, I hope I don't get trouble for this. But I have eight copies of this book that I'm sitting on my shelf, and I brought them up this morning. So if you are hungry and you're committed to reading this book, I'd love to give you a free yeah. copy today. And if I run out, I apologize. You can, you can get it on Amazon. But uh, this is a great book. And then finally, the 301 level book is called, uh, it's a classic called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And um, that is just an incredible book that gets really at a deeper level of what it means to shape the hearts of our children uh, with the gospel. Awesome. 
Yeah, I, I've read a couple of those. The, the trip book on parenting, is, it's a must-read. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah, good. Definitely. So in this sermon series, uh, we've used the imagery of like dirty dishes because we wanted to get as real-life, nitty-gritty about family as possible. And so I'm going to ask you a, a dirty dishes type, type question. As, as, as both of us being you know, former youth pastors, we, I'm going to ask you a question that I know that we've both dealt with throughout the ages. Yeah. Okay? So should a parent keep their kid home from church programming as a means of discipline? Oh, wow. So uh, you want me to call, throw parents under the bus to do I want, that? I want you to do it. Yes. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> um, so let's start with the good. The good is that a parent is wanting to discipline their child and teach them obedience, right? right and so right. Uh, I'm assuming that that's a consequence they're saying is maybe they'll keep them home. But let me just uh, lovingly advise that maybe that might not be the best form of something to take away from them. And so, again, I don't want to speak to parents that, that, that can be, I don't know the whole situation. But I would say um, one of the things that you try to do, what we're trying to do as a church, is to come alongside you as a family and to, and to speak truth and to speak the gospel in the lives of your children. And so if you discipline them by taking that away, they're missing out on something that really can help change their heart and really produce the obedience that you want. And so one thing is maybe consider screen time or some other form of a consequence yeah. that they really enjoy. And um, again, not to say that if you've done that in the past that that's wrong, but just saying that there could be better things to take away from yeah. them. So, yeah. so I, I won't leave you alone on the hook. I'll jump on the hook too. And also just piggyback and say, in my time, also that, that's a detriment to the programming too because our programmings are not just, you know, programming. It's, it's ministry. And part of ministry is building relationships between our leaders and our volunteers and students. And when, when kids are held back from a program, it, it inhibits that ability to foster that relationship which is so key for our discipleship. So to keep kids home from, from programming as a means of discipline, it hurts the program too. It hurts what mm -hmm. we're trying to do. Yeah. Even though we know it's so enticing because a lot of times kids really love it and you want to yeah. really stick it to the kids sometime, and, <laughs> um, which is probably not a good thing either. Yeah. But. Don't provoke them to anger. Right? Exactly, man. <laughs> um, so even though we are, you know, a lot of people say that we're young parents. Our, our, your, your oldest is a daughter. My oldest is a daughter. They're both 13. Yep. Um, but even in, in, with, with that preface here, what is one piece of parenting advice that you've gotten that you want to pass on to the Peace Church parents? Yeah, that's, that's a, a really great question, and I thought there's lots of things of advice. But here I would say is it's not related to parenting, but I think is the, one of the most crucial ingredients to raising kids well is you need to have a strong marriage. Um, what our children look to is you need to put your marriage first, and you need to show uh, your kids what it means to love your spouse, you know, as husbands, as Christ loved the church. And so I would say that's, that's so crucial is that um, parent, kids need to see uh, the gospel in our marriage, of how we forgive, how we love, how we care for our spouse, how we sacrifice for them. And so I think that's one of the most important things that we can do. Even if you get everything else wrong in parenting, but you have just a gospel-centered, Christ-centered marriage, I think there's a good chance your children are going to do well. Because that is, I think, such a foundational thing that, that you need to have uh, if you're going to parent is that your marriage comes first. Yeah, I think, I think we see the, the Bible kind of speak to that. Our, the whole section that we've been looking at on family, it starts by addressing the husband and wife, right? It starts by talking about the strength of the marriage. So that's uh, just real quick. So quick plug for marriage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here in a couple of months here in February, we're going to have a marriage retreat. And I encourage all of you couples if, to make your marriage strong. That's our focus and mission is here as a church. 
on the screen there is the details for our marriage retreat. Um, Bill Farley, he's been married for 50 years to his wife, Judy. He's coming. He's a retired pastor, and he's going to be speaking to uh, marriages, and I think he brings some incredible wisdom, mm-hmm. biblical truth. And so I'd encourage all of you couples to, to, to consider coming to our marriage retreat coming up in February. Let me just say one thing, too. In, in my time at Peace, I think there's, there's a certain segment of people that think the marriage retreat is for either just for young, young couples or for couples who are in trouble. And I just want to say this is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe that our marriage retreat will be a much better, more rounded retreat if we had some of our more seasoned married couples join us. Yeah. And so this is our call. We'd love to see you there. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Um, uh, Pastor Farley is going to be amazing. He's got some great stuff. So yeah. uh, there it is. Register it's in, when is it again? February? February 18th 18th? through 20th. Perfect. Sweet. All right, well, last question, Pastor Travis. Um, what's on the horizon for parenting ministry at Peace? Yeah, good question. Uh, we know parenting is hard. It's always been hard. But in particular, uh, I think parenting is really, really hard in today's uh, world because of technology. Uh, I, as a parent, it just consumes our home and our family, just screen time and how to deal with this, how to protect our kids. And, and so uh, we want to come alongside you as a parent and, and help you in that. So we're excited. We've got two really important things coming up for parents of students and kids. Uh, the first thing is teens and technology. We're going to do a student parent workshop in here on Sunday night um, for take a youth group night. We're going to pack this place in the worship center to, to really help students understand how to handle technology, how to see it, how to understand it. And then also we're going to speak to parents and do a workshop for them. Um, that's Sunday, January 23rd. You can see and learn more about that and register there. And then the next thing, we have something also for parents of children. Um, we're going to do a parent workshop called Digital Culture of Kids. And I, let me back up. Both of these workshops, we're bringing in an organization called Protect Young Eyes. Um, they're kind of a national leader in trying to come alongside parents and help them in this uh, issue. And so they're going to be coming for two dates January 26th and February 2nd, we're going to pack out the chapel during Bold Boys and Brave Girls. And so register for either of those, but I think every parent needs to come. They're going to be incredible times to equip you, empower, and encourage you, and educate you on how to handle and deal with technology as a parent. So just to clarify, it says January 26th or February 2nd. So they're not back-to-back. They're not part one, part two. They're both yep. independent. Independent dates because we want to have enough room for every parent yep. to come and, and the chapel is just a smaller capacity. So we, we decided we're going to do two of them so that we make sure every parent can be a part of that. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Pastor Travis. Can we give thanks to Pastor Travis? Well, Parents and families and marriages, we want you to know that at Peace Church, we, we have a really big heart for family ministry. It's one of, it's one of, the, it's one of the strands of our DNA is, is to be family-focused as a church. So please know that we're here to minister to you, alongside you. We're excited to see what God's going to continue to do through families in our church. But with that, would you just bow your heads and let's pray, close out today. Lord, I want to say thank you, Father, for this church. Father, thank you for the families of this church, and thank you for the way that the, the families of this church come alongside other families. Lord, as we seek to glorify you, to raise people, to raise our children to know and love Jesus, to know the message of the gospel. Father, I pray that you continue to make Peace Church a strong church for the good of our community, for, to help parents. Father, I pray that we remain faithful to you. Father, I just would ask, Lord, as we close up this sermon series, Lord, that you would take what we talked about in this series. Lord, you take the truth of your word and you'd continue to bless and strengthen families and marriages. Lord, we do love you and we do thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Would you please rise? Let me give you a blessing as you head out of here today.